end of time. Thirteen. O'clock. What's up, folks? It's Wednesday night. Me and Jenny are talking about how awesome that intro is. Every time, like yeah. I'm just, I'm patting myself on the back. Yeah, Good work, Jenny. Good work. Well, I said, well, the old one, I didn't mind the old one, but the thing about the old one was that I had to use just kind of like free video clips that I could find. So you just kind of had to use what you found. Yeah. But I actually pay nowadays because I do like so many more videos. I decided I was going to break down and buy a Storyblocks subscription, which is not cheap. It's like $300 a year. Um, but they have really, really good video clips of pretty much everything. And uh, you can use them in all of your projects. So that's so I can get like access to better stuff. You know what I mean? You got to mm -hmm. pay for good stuff sometimes because the free shit doesn't always. What is that noise? Is this shit, what is this shit going to be doing? I heard that noise earlier and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, shit. Now we're, now we're hearing ourselves free talk. Shit. Oh my God! Trying okay. You've got all should, kind of problems. It should be it. it should, it's giving me fucking notification sounds. I didn't ask for any of that. Ain't it no just does it. It no just does that. it. My phone does random shit too. Yeah. Like just hey, this noise is on now. And yeah. Somebody like, said right. something about you on Instagram, and you're like, I don't give a shit. I'm fucking streaming. The thing about my phone yeah. is that you can either. I swear to God, like when I want to do something on it, like I sit there poke at it and it won't do anything. But then yeah. other times I breathe on it and yeah. it does all kind of crazy shit. I, I don't really know. It's know. it's all kind of like I don't know. Let's see who's in uh, there. Murder Hornet said new intro. Well, we okay. did a new intro. Um, Couple when, weeks back. Well, yeah. Month, when did maybe. we start it? Like around New Year's, right? Around New Year's. Yeah, we did. So it's been like been a while, a while, a couple of months, anyway. But yeah, right. I'm just every time, every time I see it, like every week, I'm like, man, that came out really good. I was yeah. like really proud of myself. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not like a master video editor or anything like that. I just kind of cobble things together, you know. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting show today. I thought so too. Yeah. Do we have any shout outs or anything to anybody? Uh, we, like yes, we have a new patron okay. named Die, I think, or Day. D A E. Day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, thank you very much, new $10 patron. Thank you, Day. So, that's our newest one in a while. Mm -hmm. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Uh, so, yeah, Gramther says Question between mannequins and Barbarellas, how many randos hit on Sophie over the weekend? Uh, no, but I don't think anybody hit on her at Barbarella because that's not the well, kind they of crowd had, it they is. Well, they had a couple guys smooze with her. They yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, but that's not hitting the same thing. That's not really the same thing. Yeah. They're all fishing, though. Well, yeah. Um, well, you guys fucking went back and go back and look. Fucking, they were grabbing Jenny's ass, had to slap one dude right in That was mannequins, that was. was. Yeah, the mannequins. Barbara, Barbarella was a lot yeah. more fun. And then, dude, other dude just fucking tried to get in on him, and I was just backed him up like that, and fucking... Had to whip his ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a whole it's thing. It's funny. I had a superhero day today. I went to go went, went to go see my friend Dan. He's uh, he's my uh, fucking muscle poor star fucking drug dealer. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> Dan, get, Dan I, the I, drug dealer. Yeah, just I get my medication from him. You know what I mean? And uh, he's like, uh, I told him that deal. He goes, oh, yeah. 
yeah, that's going to happen all the time. And I'm like, wait, but what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you can wade through three or four guys. If they're not working out or they're not on anything, they're just, you just, it's like, it's like fighting kids. It's like fighting little kids or something. And, and I was like, so it's just people who are working out and fucking doing steroids and shit. And he's like, yeah, that's the only ones you have to worry about. And people with guns. That's all, that's all he said. But uh, he, it's just it's just fucking funny, man. It's a life changing event. How easy it is. But um, no, just um, that night. That was not a normal night for mannequins. It was just that was a particularly bad night for creeps. And evidently, it had been getting kind of that way steadily the past few weeks. Evidently. But we just we may not go back there. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people aren't going just because uh, just because of that. Yeah, so because it's not of, just, of uh, that kind of thing. that kind of dude. Yeah, yeah. They're like too many. They're morning. just thirsty and fucking don't know how to act in a club. They don't have any club culture. They're just you know bros, dude bros, and they're not really sure where they are and don't know how to act and no game. You know. Ben said, and I guess this is in reaction to what you said about this is going to be an interesting show. He said, oh, good. Sick of the boring shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The fucking boring shows. I mean, I like to think most sick of our shows too, are man. interesting. Yeah. But, I, well, I've been wanting to, like I said, I've been wanting to do this topic for a while, and it finally yeah. won the poll. But, because I only found out about this probably like a year or two ago. Yeah. And it always makes me really sad, like, when somebody who did something awesome or, like, something kind of, like, world-changing got fucked over. And this guy really got fucked over. He not he not only got fucked over, but he uh, disappeared and nobody knows where he is. Well, was. He's clearly dead now because it was, like, 19th century. But I'm glad that it, it's, you know, it's the same thing. You know, like, many, many years ago, did you learn about Nikola Tesla at school? Like, no. when you were a kid? Not, not See, from the I don't I don't think I did either. But, um, you know, over the years, people have actually, you know, be, like, realized Tesla's contributions to the culture as a whole you learned about edison and now well yeah, yeah and that's kind of what i want to talk about here because thomas edison's ass might be involved in this as well um i don't know like i don't really know how i stand on it if you if you know the story like you kind of know what where i'm going with it but thomas edison i remember being in school but just like elementary school, junior high and stuff like that. And talking about how fucking awesome like Thomas Edison was. He invented this. He invented that. He invented the other thing. And then like when you get a little bit older and now I kind of feel like this knowledge is seeping into the culture as a whole. Thomas Edison, kind of a shit. Um, yeah. Didn't really invent a lot of things Stole per se as like stealing other yeah. people's ideas, doing yeah. shady shit with uh, patent law. Um, you know, just screwing people over, essentially not really having any scruples or ethics about that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he fucked over a lot of people and a lot of people that invented things, uh, you know, died penniless yeah. because, like yeah, because of shit that he did. Yeah. And, uh, that's basically where we're at with this story. I don't know, like I said, if Thomas Edison was involved in what happened to Louis Le Prince or not, but... I will say that Thomas Edison probably stood to gain the most from him vanishing. Hmm. I will say that. But that doesn't mean that he had anything to do with it. I wouldn't put it past the fucker, that's for sure. But I don't know. We'll get into that. I mean, it may be something completely different. It may be something completely random. We'll get into, like, because there's a couple different theories about what might have happened to him. But we'll kind of get into that. 
Uh, Trey said, oh shit, I just realized who this show is about. Technically, he filmed the first moving picture that indeed he did. Uh, even though... I, and now I kind of wonder if anybody has kids that are school age, like, are they still teaching them that Thomas Edison invented all that shit, like the movie camera and stuff? Because he absolutely did not. No. Yeah. <laughs> he had a company that just fucking absorbed everybody and made them fucking discover shit. Some of them, some of the shit he just fucking bought or stole. Yeah. He had a good legal team. He did, yeah, he and he yeah. had a thing, too, where he was, like, real good at manipulating, um, you know, patent law, like I said, that he could... You know, and he had money and resources and stuff, so he could always kind of like, ooh, if this person had a good idea that he wanted to, like, you know, swipe, then he could kind of, like, file his own patent or be like, oh, well, this patent is for this little slightly different thing, and it's not like yours, and then he could just, like, bury the dude. He did that kind of shit. Yeah. Like, he didn't, I don't even know if he did anything technically illegal, but it was for sure, like, unethical, like, a lot of yeah. stuff that he did. Yeah. But... Like I said, I don't know if Thomas Edison was involved in this case or not. Yeah, whether but, he killed somebody, we don't know. But a lot of... Yeah, and I... Well, they wouldn't have been his style to kill somebody. I don't think there wasn't a pattern of that. Well, he might have, like, had it done. Possible, but there wasn't a pattern of it. That's true. Usually there's a pattern. If a person did, did it once, they do it more than once. And there's a pattern. You know? Yeah. Usually. But then again, that's... the usual. The usual culprits are political people, not so much corporate, so... Although I bet you a lot of corporate shit happened, and it's just that nobody was notable in history, so their deaths were not really recorded or noticed. Right. In politics, you'd notice it. Ben said it was standard business practice at the time to crush your opposition with lawyers and gangsters. Yeah, pretty yeah, much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was the game back then. So I kind of feel like it's not... It's not far-fetched that Thomas Edison had something done, um, but I don't know if that's true. But it wouldn't, if I found out that it was true, I don't think anyone's going to know nowadays because it's been such a long time. But it's like, I absolutely would not be shocked at all. Like, just to know that he, like, um, yeah, Ben said, of course, Edison didn't kill anyone. He had people on the payroll for that. Yeah, he wouldn't do it himself. He definitely wouldn't have done that. I'm just thinking if he'd had somebody killed, he would have done it more than once. And I think there would have been a pattern. Well, maybe there was. Yeah, and maybe he maybe was just that know. good. And we, yeah. he, he got, because he was a smart dude. I mean, nobody's yeah. saying that. So if he got people killed, he was a ruthless businessman. Uh -huh. I'm not going to put murder on him, you know, <laughs> murder for hire. We, but he was ruthless. I'm not. Well, he's dead now. What's yeah, he going to do? Yeah. Sue me? Okay. We, yeah. His ghost is going to come yeah. haunt me and then sue me. <laughs> We're going to see. I'm getting sued by Thomas I Edison's heard, ghost. I haven't, I, haven't heard, <laughs> I haven't heard the evidence that Jenny is, or, or, or the supposed evidence that Jenny's dug up yet. You know, maybe if I hear the story. Maybe I might change my mind. You might be. A yeah, I mean, and this was like I said, this was a long time ago, so it's kind of hard to like dig stuff up. There was a couple other videos about this on the internet, which are really good on YouTube, rather, that are um, actually really good. But I think even BuzzFeed Unsolved did this one. But there's not a ton. There was only like three or four really good ones. Edison was also bad about stamping down on fucking any kind of disruptive technologies too. Like I'm, yeah, he pretty much destroyed Tesla. Yeah. Tesla was going to make electricity and just kind of make it free. You could broadcast it. Yeah. And fucking Edison wasn't going to have that. You couldn't put a meter on that. Yeah, know? he had no patience for people yeah. that invented things yeah. that they thought would be a public good. Because another guy, I can't remember who it was, but another guy that invented something uh, really awesome was actually just going to, he didn't bother getting a patent on it because he said, oh, this is a public good and I should just like release it. And he was like, oh no. And he filed a patent on it. And so yeah. the dude like Locked died broke. Up. Yeah. So, yeah, he would do shit like that, which, right. not cool, Edison. 
You didn't file a patent? Well, then I'm going to file a patent. Bam. Yeah. There you go. I invented mine. that can't shit. Do it. Can't do it. I'm yeah. going to take all your money. Yeah. And you're going to die in a gutter somewhere. <laughs> yeah. What a shithole. It's like, it's. I mean, it's. he's just kind of like, I don't know. That, well, that's just. Dude didn't have game. He should have realized that, that that would have happened. That he'd had the patent, but then he'd just give license out for free. That's what he should have done. Because somebody else could just block him by getting the patent. Patent, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I think patent law was a lot different back then, too. Like, you could kind of... You couldn't infringe on patent. And during that time, a lot of technologies were new. So anything that you made, you were infringing on somebody's patent somewhere in your invention. It was real rough. Firearms were like that. Like, they, everybody knew how to make an automatic pistol. The problem was is that Browning had that patent. The Swing Lake patent had a lot of the fucking delayed recoil patents. So you had to find up a new way to make an automatic pistol. Well, there are only a couple different... There's only, like, two really good ways, right. you know. So anything that is not those two good ways, there it's a it's a it's it's a not a good way. It'll still work, but mechanically, no, it's not efficient. So they're just trying to, and they did it just to evade patents. And it really it held back fucking firearm technology for decades, working out all these fucking patents. Now it's all lapsed. You can make anything now without worrying about patents. You know, everything's been done, and everything's been patented, and all the patents have expired. So you can. You can do anything now. Well, all of that stuff, yeah. Because, yeah, because yeah, after a while, like, you, your patent's yeah. only good for, like, so long. Yeah, well, most of the shit, most of the ideas were patented, like, in the 1910s. So they're long all, they're long right. fucking lapsed. Because they had enough engineering skills to understand all the different ways you could make that machine. Or a machine gun. Um, and they were fighting over little things. Like feed poles. Things, you know, which is just something that pulls in a bell, you know. Stupid shit. Magazines that are in the butt of the pistol, that kind of stuff. A button that you could press to drop a magazine. That shit was patented for a while. Right. Just, you know. Well, yeah, because anything like th- that would give you an advantage or like make you yeah. some money that no one else could use. Right. So you'd see some crazy shit in the early 1900s where it was like um, one fantastic high, high-tech feature and, and, and the high-tech look to the gun, but everything else was fucking like antique and crazy and backwards because they couldn't do it because the patent infringements you know they were trying yeah. to find new ways that's why a lot of French pistols look so crazy because Fabrique Nationale was involved they didn't have patents for things or did have patents for things and they just came up with some crazy looking shit but it all worked out eventually the, the patents expired on everything I mean, I, you know, obviously I think the peop- the person that invented something should get the credit for it and should get the bulk of the money for it um, but that doesn't always happen because of various, uh, legal loopholes and things like that, which is yeah. kind of, and that's kind of what ended up happening to Louis LaPrince, like I said. Ben said it was cornflakes all over again, right? Yeah, that was like a whole thing. We needed, did we ever do a show about that? Didn't we do a show about the Kellogg brothers? No, uh-uh, I never did. I, I thought I thought we did, but well, um, maybe we did a long, long. I time think it was like a long time ago, but yeah, there was a there was a great like story about that on uh, the food that built America. I think it was like the first season or the second season about the whole like invention of cornflakes and stuff. It's a fascinating fucking story. Maybe we did a show about it because I kind of feel like we did a show about Kellogg but about the Hell Spa and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm like I'm pretty familiar with that story, so I can't remember if we did a show or not. And then Ben said, "Yeah, but it was up to the patent holder to sue the infringer yeah. in court, and if they weren't rich and influential, they were at a huge disadvantage." Well, that's yeah. always the case, no matter yeah. what. I mean, if you're poor, you might as well just march yourself off yeah. to jail because that's where you're going. But Colton FN fucking had all the good patents for a long time. So then they had all the money, so they would sue you. They would. Yeah. 
just kind of like, you know, yeah. ba back in the day, I don't know if they still do this, but I remember hearing back in the 80s how, like, some little podunk daycare somewhere would, like, paint some Disney characters on the side of the yeah. daycare, and then Disney would come and sue them. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, fuck, we're going to paint Fred, Fred Flintstone on the side, then Ev Hanna-Barbera won't sue. Evidently, all the old Disney characters are going to be forced out into fucking public domain soon. They've been re-upping the, the, uh, the patents. Yeah, I don't... But evidently they're saying that's not legal. They said it's not long. I'd be interested people... to talk to like a copyright yeah. type lawyer yeah. because copyright law, and I know this is going to sound weird, but yeah. copyright law is like actually really interesting to me. And I'm always just kind of like, because I know that after, you know, like a book or something yeah. like that is what the life of the author hundred, plus a yeah, hundred years, years or something like that. like that. But there are some different loopholes, I think, like where the surviving, you know, like say, you know, Bram Stoker's widow who yeah. kind of sued the makers of Nosferatu because, you know, they infringed on his patent because the story wasn't that old. But you can kind of like re, you can kind of re-up the copyright. But I don't know what the parameters are of that because I kind of I kind of felt like that after a century had passed or something like that, I don't know if you can actually just keep doing that like in perpetuity. That seems like it would be I heard that Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and all those things should be they should be uh public domain by now. Because they're old enough and they're they're doing something kind of sideways to keep to keep the patents on them. But sometimes when you're talking about publishing type stuff when dealing with Star Trek or Star Wars or anything you know they what matters in the patent is how it was drawn so maybe like the real old versions of Mickey would be in public like domain like Steamboat Willie yeah, Mickey <laughs> right. but some of the newer drawings of him would might still be protected until they lapse too so Disney could keep its identity by saying oh yeah yeah that's the old mickey this is the real mickey this is the new mickey the our this is our mickey okay this is real mickey because some of those be a different drawing of because some of those old disney characters yeah. looked completely different yeah. than they look nowadays and they didn't look that looking, good they yeah. didn't well like yeah. i said it was like old animation you know what i mean like steamboat willie when the fuck did that come out 19 a long time ago 20 something yeah. maybe it was earlier than that it was over 100 years but yeah, it was like it, it's pretty fucked yeah. up looking. But everything looked fucked up back then. Yeah, you know all the cartoons and everything. They didn't. They didn't. I liked them anyway when I was a kid. I did too. Yeah. But I remember. Um, Alice the Goop. I remember seeing because uh, I was more familiar with kind of like the '60s, '70s, or maybe like '50s, '60s, like Porky Pig cartoons. And then like sometimes every now and then they would show like one of the really old Porky Pig cartoons, and Porky Pig looked a lot. They made him a lot cuter. Like, later on. He was just, yeah. like, a cute... He's kind of chubby, you know what I mean? Like, Porky Pig. But back in, like, the old days, he looked like a big, disgusting, fat pig. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's and right. I was like... He looked like a man. He didn't look like a child. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't... So they made him, like, a lot cuter, which I kind of liked, because I was like, I don't know if I really like that, like, old character. That doesn't look too appealing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Tammy's here. Deborah Hockett. Hey, guys. Just got off work. Made it. Uh, Curly Overheiser says, YouTube notifications are horrible. I didn't know you were live. Yeah, we always do uh, a live show on Wednesday night and most other, and Monday night too. Uh, ben said there was a kid's headstone in a cemetery that had Spider-Man on it a year or two ago and Marvel demanded they remove the image. That's fucking ridiculous. Uh, ben said a lot of pop culture things are coming out of copyright, such as Superman, but it's the 1930s version without heat vision, kryptonite, etc. That's still copyrighted. Okay. Well, I mean, that makes sense. 
Yeah, Ben said Winnie the Pooh and Peter Pan are free and clear for anyone to use now. Yeah, that's why they just made a horror movie with Winnie the Pooh. Like, what would the fuck was that thing called? I've heard it wasn't very good, but I kind of want to see it anyway. But yeah, that's why. Because uh, Winnie the Pooh was like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can't use the images previously used in books, movies, still under copyright. Yeah, but I kind of feel like if you went, well, if you went back to the original Winnie the Pooh books, I mean, those are more than 100 years old. Blood and Honey, yeah, that's what it's called. You see, I, I would fucking game that system, though. What I would do is I'd make a restaurant with a 1920s or a 1930s black and white theme inside, it, it, the, the, the decor and everything, and it would be like the old fucking Steamboat Willie. That would be cool. I would go there. Yeah. So what you do is you, 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 you it, it's Mickey Mouse, but it's back in time. And if you, you, and that would work out. That'd be great. You can make it look. You could do like a whole like old school like animation. Yeah. thing. That'd be pretty neat. Yep. And make it black make it and white all inside. black and white. Black and white inside too. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. That would be really really like cool. Like you're in a black and white movie. Yeah. That, ooh, that would be really yeah. cool. They should they should do that. I kind of like the idea of like theme stuff like that, like just weird themes. Yeah. I've heard that they've started doing, I don't think there's any restaurants that do this, but I've heard that they've started doing Titanic dinner parties. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they feed, like, because they know what the menu was, like, on the Titanic, like, the night yeah. it sank, so they, like, give you that food and kind of make it like it's like you're on the Titanic. I'm like, I don't know if I want to pretend like I'm on the Titanic. We all yeah. know how that happened. I don't know if I want to eat old-fashioned <laughs> food. Yeah, it's, well, that's it's... the thing. Like, I kind of looked at the menu, and I'm like, I don't know, that doesn't really sound all yeah. that good. <laughs> A lot of it, I'm like, what even is that? It's like the 1920s. You know, it was 100 years ago. I don't know. They didn't use spice. They thought black pepper was some shit, man. But it's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. No more black pepper, please. (laughs) So funny. So funny. But, uh, yeah, or like paprika or something like that, which, like, doesn't even, like, paprika doesn't even, like, register, to be honest. Uh, Crowley said, my friend went to go see it. That's Blood and Honey, the, the horror Winnie the Pooh movie. He liked it because it was so bad. Yeah, I kind of like, I've, uh, I just had the general impression that a lot of, cause I haven't, you know, cause I'll, eventually I'll probably watch it, but I've just seen like the, the expressions on the faces of some of the channels that I watch, like on the thumbnails and some of them are like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So I'm just like, okay. Zach said, oh shit, I forgot. What's up y'all? Well, you didn't forget cause you're here, you know, and it's only a, like 20 minutes in. So you didn't miss much of anything. You didn't miss much of anything. We haven't really got into the, into the subject. Yeah, not really. I mean, we were kind of talking about Thomas Edison a little bit. We were talking about patent law a little bit, which all is kind of, like, relevant to uh, to this topic. And Zach might be interested in some of the stuff because it's kind of, like, it's film history. You know what I mean? So I guess we'll get into the story. Like I said, it's not super, super long. It's not super, super complicated. So, you know, I guess we'll just kind of get into it and we'll do some discussion as we go on. So, yeah, I kind of feel like, I don't know about nowadays, but I remember learning in school that the inventor of many things, uh, but in, up to and including the movie camera, uh, was Thomas Edison. Um, you know, with maybe an assist from, you know, the Lumiere brothers, somebody like that. Now, the thing about this time period, and I'm talking like late 19th century, is that there were a lot of inventors, it was very much in the air, um, trying to figure out, like, the best way to do, like, a moving picture camera. Because they had already invented kind of, like, optical illusion sort of toys. You know what I mean? Like, they'd have those paper wheels with, like, pictures on, like, a flicker book type of 
toy. So they knew the principle behind if you take a bunch of pictures in sequence and flip them through really fast, it looks like they're moving. But they hadn't really been able to figure out exactly a way to film a moving image and like project it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we have people like Edward Mybridge who did very famously did the um, the horse galloping thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Where that's how they found out that like the horse had all four feet off the ground at the same time and stuff like that. So they kind of knew, they knew the principle behind it and they were looking for the best way to make a moving picture camera. Now, so I kind of feel like Thomas Edison usually gets credited for inventing the moving picture. However, um, it's pretty, I don't know how well known it is nowadays, but they're pretty sure with 99.99%, uh, certainty that Louis the Pr- Louis Le Prince was actually the first man to make a motion picture with a motion picture camera. It was only a few seconds long. They still have it. It still exists. Uh, you can see it on YouTube. It's about a second, two seconds, something like that. And it's just like his family, like kind of just milling around in the yard, like it is at, yeah. at his in-laws house or something like that. Because, you know, it was a big deal back then. It's a moving, it was like the first one. And he made a couple. He actually made one of his son, uh, Adolf, who was playing an accordion. And he made one that was a few seconds long, like off a bridge in Leeds in England. So, I mean, like I said, those films still exist. And they know that he made them much, uh, like, very, very er much earlier than Thomas Edison and his whole thing. So, nowadays... Louis Le Prince in film circles is generally known as the father of cinema or the father of cinematography because he is the first known person to have made a movie or what they would call a movie. So let's talk a little bit about his background. So he was born in France in a place called Metz in 1841. And he actually came from a military family. Uh, His dad was a major of artillery. Now, interestingly, one of his dad's friends was the very famous Louis Daguerre, who invented the daguerreotype, which is the very, very early form of photography. It was prior to them, like, um, you know, doing photos or, you know, making photos on paper, like having light-sensitive paper. They used to do them on, it was like a silver plate or copper plate or silver-copper combination or something like that. So that's what that was. Like, so he invented that. The daguerreotype. So when he was a kid, when Louis Le Prince was a kid and was hanging out with Louis Daguerre, who was his father's friend, he got really interested in photography and it would become something of a hobby like as uh, the time went on. So later on, as he got a little bit older, he actually went uh, to Paris and studied art there. And then he went to Leipzig in Germany and studied chemistry. So, obviously, those two things would kind of feed into his love of photography and movie making later on. So, uh, he's French, as I I mentioned. In 1866, he actually moved to England. Uh, He had a friend named John Whitley. And John Whitley had uh, a brass foundry. So, uh, Louis Le Prince went there to work for him. And he ended up marrying... uh, 
Whitley's sister, Elizabeth, who was also an artist. Now, the two of them, they actually opened up like an applied arts school. And one thing that they figured out how to do was how to take photographs and like put them on metal or on ceramic or something like that. So they started making like commemorative plates. Like that wasn't really a thing that had been done. Like people painted on them and shit, but they figured out a way how to make, like put a photograph on like glass or ceramic or something like that. So they started selling all of these commemorative plates, like with Queen Victoria and shit like that on them. And, um, you know, the prime minister, whoever that was at the time. And so they actually got quite successful because I think they were kind of the first ones to do that, to kind of have this shop where, you know, they were putting photographs on household items, which was kind of like a new thing. Now, in 1881, Louis went to the United States um, under the auspices of, like, you know, working for his partner or whatever. Now, he actually ended up becoming a manager for this kind of artist group that would do these, like, panorama-type things that, you know, just exhibits that they would do around the country. Now, while he was kind of going around, he'd been interested in photography for a while, like I said, but he was also, like a lot of other inventors were at the time, like, started to get interested in moving pictures, like, how, like, what was the best way to go about that? So... What he decided to do at first, now they still have his first camera that he invented that he actually patented in Europe. And it's this kind of big square, like wooden box. And it had 16 lenses because he worked out that to make a movie look like, I mean, they didn't call it a movie then, but to make it look like, like from a Flickr book point of view, to make it look like natural movement instead of like a flicker book, you needed 16 frames per second, he determined. So he's like, well, if I put 16 lenses in the camera and it shoots like 16 photographs, like in su- very quick succession, and then you put those together, like, and actually the, um, the thing that he had in there was like paper, the film was paper. So that was the first, you know, thing that he made. Now, there were a couple of problems with this, and maybe if you know anything about photography, you probably have figured out what they were. Because this had 16 lenses, um, it took pictures in quick succession, all right, but all of the pictures were from a slightly different Different position. So when you put them all together, it looked okay, but it looked a little bit janky. Like, because it was kind of like, (laughs) because it was kind of like that, because the pictures didn't line up. You know what I mean? So he wasn't super happy with that. Um, so he's like, well, there has got to be a better way. There is. To do that. One well, yeah. Move the film. Well, that's what, well, yeah, that's what he eventually, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. hit upon. Right, but yeah. that was just, like, his first. Like I said, he did have a patent on that one, like, the 16. And they still yeah. have the um, the prototype. It's in, I you think it's in a museum in England. you got to kind of fail first before you can succeed. Just like anything else. You know, so, shit. He got the very basics done. Yeah. 16 frames. And I mean, it did work. Second, yeah. But then it, it, it unveiled another problem. So he goes, so he knows now he's got to move in a different direction. You got to, you got to use one lens. Yeah. That's what that tells you. You got to take 16 pictures with one lens. How do you do that? You got to have a fucking moving film. Film's got to move. 
you got to have a, a flickering shutter that's opening and closing. You got to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And mechanically. Uh, he did. He did actually did. figure yep. out how to do that. Yep. Uh, he did eventually figure out how to do yep. that. Um, it took him a few years, like, you know, because this is over, because, you know, when he first moved to, um, he first went to the U.S. in 1881, and he actually didn't go back to England, I don't think, until 1887, and by that time, he had kind of solved a lot of the problems, you know, engendered by the 16 lens camera, and had figured out how to compile it just down to one lens. Now, I think... I'm not entirely sure I because I've watched a bunch of different documentaries about this and like read a bunch of different things. I think because some of the sources said that he also figured out because remember how I said in the 16 lens camera, he was using paper film. Yeah. And I think prior to that, they had used like a like a gelatin type thing. I think he was the first one to come up with celluloid. I could yeah. be wrong about that. Um but he determined that that was going to be the best way to do it. It's clear. Yeah. Yeah. So I could be wrong, but I think that this? he's, this was 1887, 18 is right Boy, around. Boy, that would have been high tech, but yeah. Celluloid. Which maybe they used something like that in, in wrapping. Plastic wrapping around a box, maybe. Yeah, I'm something not like sure. That. I mean, you know, celluloid obviously has a lot of industrial applications, yeah. but I'm not really sure what they were using it for at that point yeah, in time. They were using it for something he knew about it. Yeah. It was some kind of clear paper that he knew about. Probably somebody was using it to wrap food. Yeah, of, maybe. And then put the food inside of a box and sell it. Sounds like something food industry would try to do. Or maybe put plastic wrapping on the outside of a box. And it probably wasn't good enough. It was probably like saran wrap. So you're going to have to change it so you can feed it through a mechanical camera and impregnate it with chemicals so you can get exposure, you can expose an image on it. So there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, yeah. a lot of, a lot of challenges. But they're probably, they, were, they must have been doing, dealing with some kind of clear plastic paper. Yeah, that's kind of... he would have known about it. Right. That's what I mean. I, t I think that, like, he was maybe the first one to figure that out, that that would be the best application for yeah, that. Yeah, because you could shine a light through it and project off of it. Right. All right. Well, and that was his thing. I mean, he yeah. really wanted it. He he envisioned it like showing it like yeah. at at like a movie theater, like you would nowadays. Mm -hmm. Like that's what he wanted to. He was right. Ultimately, do with it. He was right. You can do it. But you know the thing about like the chemicals and everything like that. Like that was kind of the easy part because they, like I said, they could already they already had still photography, and everybody said, well, this is essentially like still photography, but a bunch of still photographs just played really fast so it looks like you know to your eye that it's moving and so that like all of the same uh principles applied they just had to figure out the mechanics of how to take the, that many pictures quickly and how to project them and things like that so that's what he was working on so finally he figures out he goes back to england uh his he had a workshop in leeds and figured out the single lens camera and again, this looked kind of just like a big wooden box or whatever. And it actually could photograph between 12 to 20 frames per second. So like right around the 16 frame, that's what he wanted. Now, uh, so as I mentioned before, the first movie that he made, which was just his, you know, in-laws or his family members stuff just kind of wandering around in the yard. Because <laughs> he's like, just move around. It's a moving picture. It's a new thing, which is like really funny. Um, he actually took that on October the 14th, 1888. So that was, uh, 
the actually like I said his in-laws house like and they so they were all just like out in the garden so he shot the first film with that like I said you can see it on YouTube um it still exists which is actually kind of awesome because you know 1888 that was a long time ago that was like when fucking Jack the Ripper was running around damn isn't that crazy yeah that somebody he was Jack the Ripper's running around England, and meanwhile, Louis Le Prince is over there just like, hey, walk around so I can film you with my newfangled <laughs> device. That's, like, kind of funny to think about, actually. But uh, that those two things were, like, happening at around the same time. But, yeah. Uh, so, so, like I said, it's only a few seconds long, but come on. I mean, nobody had ever done it before, so give the guy a break. So he also, as I mentioned, made a couple other films. Uh, one of them, he was just standing on a bridge and, you know, it's called Traffic Crossing Leeds Bridge. It's not cars traffic, obviously, but, you know, just the horses and people and shit like that. And he did one of his uh, son playing an accordion. So uh, once he had it how he wanted it, he's like, okay, that looks pretty cool. Now I want to figure out how to project it because that was the end goal he wanted to like show it he he had in mind not so much entertainment style movies he had more like kind of an education type of thing which i guess a lot of them did back then because nobody really knew i don't know i guess nobody really thought about it back then like maybe filming a play or something like that but he mostly wanted it for like educational purposes but he's like i want to be able to like project you know moving pictures and like show people other parts of the world and things like that that they might not be able to see and like show it to big audiences like all at once well, this is high-tech shit so he's thinking it's gonna be used for science that's, that's what, what i'm saying thinking. yeah Which... all the money you could make showing a movie he had that hadn't covered that and hadn't probably covered like and probably like a couple years later people's like we can make porn with that yeah, <laughs> yeah man. we'll bring these literal jerks in here and they can fucking pay and fucking you know <laughs> and we have somebody else come clean up the machine pay his ass man the machine ew you know? but yeah so, um, as I mentioned, he did have a patent on the camera, um, but when he was, he was working on the projector and he was actually gonna <coughs> get a patent for that as well. Now, apparently, according to his family, at least, he had a working projector and he had put his movies into the projector and projected them on the wall, like, of his workshop in Leeds. Unfortunately, um, there's, like, no proof of that, and, spoiler alert, he disappeared before, uh, anything could come of it, which is really kind of a shame. But according to all his family, they said, yeah, he brought us in there, and we watched the show, he projected it, it was successful, like, it worked. So, in 1890, Louis decides he's going to move back to the United States permanently. And he's going to, like, kind of tour around the country and have, like, public demonstrations of his projector, you know, his film projector. Um, which, you know, you'll note Edison and the Lumiere brothers both did that much, much later than this. But this is what Louis Le Prince was planning to do. So um, his wife and kids actually went out ahead of him. Uh, they had bought a mansion in New York and it was all, they were all waiting there and he was supposed to come out and meet them. So Louis uh, packs up all his stuff, which was probably like a bitch back then. Man, everything... I complain about shit taking forever nowadays. Holy shit, man. It's like everything must have taken forever to do back then. Fucking horse and carriage. 
you had to like pack all this stuff or live in like a train and or you had to take a ship and it was like a fucking week or some shit like that fuck that but yeah so he packs up all his stuff now before he was gonna go to the u.s though like before he was gonna get on the ship he was actually gonna make a stop in dijon france which is where his brother albert lived now he was visiting albert because um nothing to do with uh with the patent stuff because he had all of his patent paperwork and he had all of the devices and he had all his prototypes and he had everything with him because he was like as soon as he got to the u.s he was going to file the patents and work it all out but he was going to visit albert because their mother had died recently and had left Louis and Albert um, her, she had like a fancy townhouse in Paris that was apparently like worth a lot of money, I guess. And they were going to split it or they were going to kind of like sort out what they were going to, you know, do with it or whatever. So he stopped by to see Albert for a couple of days and then he was going to, you know, get on the train and then go and get on the ship and then go to the United States. So on September 16th, 1890, he went with his brother Albert to the train station in Dijon where he was going to catch the express train to Paris and then go on to, uh, you know, to get the ship to go across the Atlantic. However, when the train arrived in Paris, Louis Le Prince was not on it and neither was any of his stuff. Um, I will note that the train was an express from Dijon to Paris and did not make any stops in between. Uh, I will also note that nobody on the train afterwards um, had noticed him on the train, even though by all accounts, he probably would have stood out because he was six foot four or something like that, which was quite tall for the time. That doesn't mean that people had noticed him or had like would have noticed him necessarily, but it seems odd that nobody remembered him. So they don't actually know. I mean, Albert, his brother, he was the one that said, yeah, he got on the train and, you know, I waved goodbye and everything like that. And then he just vanished off the face of the earth and neither hide nor hair of him has been found to this day. Mm -hmm. They have found nothing. They found none of his luggage. They found absolutely no trace of him whatsoever. Uh, so, yeah, he did get on the plane, though. On the train? On the well, train, yeah. see, the, okay, we'll get into that in a little bit. Because according to his brother, he did. But we'll get into that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. all Now, all of the luggage that he had when he got on the train, that had all of his, like I said, it had all of his stuff in it. It had the projector. It had all of his inventions. It had all of his patent stuff, all of his papers that he had filed, and all of that kind of stuff. It had everything. Because so he, he, he was moving to the United States. He was so, taking all that stuff with him. So he had a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that means he, it was removed. Yeah, they didn't find anything. Yeah, that's fishy. So, well, that's why people are still talking yeah. about this story nowadays, because it's very fishy. So, yeah. Um, he never arrived. No. No. They never arrived. He never found, they never found any he of He was stuff. intercepted. Because his friends were waiting for him, like, at yeah. the Paris train station. Yeah. And he never showed up. Now, they didn't think, they weren't alarmed at first because they said, oh, well, maybe he missed the train or maybe he decided to take a later one. Um, got off the train. You know, and got, or something. So they weren't, like, all that alarmed. But then, like, as time went on and he never showed up, then obviously, you know, the family and friends, like, went into, you know, panic mode and, like, 
did an extensive investigation lawyer reported the police and it was kind of a pain in the ass because you know he lived in england but then he was in france and he was going to the united states so they had to keep going back and forth from like the english police to the french police and like trying to figure out what was going on um but they never i mean there was literally nothing of him that was found nothing at all which is crazy well i'm already imagining what you could have done but go ahead yeah i mean I yeah and we'll get it okay so like i said that's pretty much it it's just kind of like he got on the train and he never if arrived you, if anywhere. you were going to intercept this guy take him out and take all this stuff you know that you're going to have to have a bunch of bags and his possessions taken off the train you know you know that has to happen and it has to happen before the train reaches his destination so if you're going to take a bunch of these cases or suitcases and packages off, you can add another package to that big load and no one would know the difference. And that extra package could have his body in it. Yeah. That's that's how you would do it. Kill him on the train using your team and then pack him into a box and get that box in into the luggage car. Some, And then have them all come off at a different destination, not at the end, at a destination that he was not going to go to. In other words, where his family was picking him up. Then, then all that stuff comes off. You probably just use the regular porters that do it. But then you have to collect them as if they're yours. So you have to change the paperwork on them to make it like it's a delivery. Or the person in charge of the operation becomes the new owner and he, and he pretends that that's his shit and he has to take it off with his assistance. So that means this has to be done with the with the aid of the railroads. The only way. Well, I'll note that, like I said, he got on the train in Dijon, and he was supposed to get off in Paris, but there were no stops in between. It was an express train. Okay, but it kept on going, right? I assume, yeah, because the, they was, usually it do. It was unloaded after, later. It was unloaded at a different one. It didn't. He didn't have to come off there before. He was down the cargo hold in a box. With all the other boxes. That's how I would do it. Wouldn't See, you? this is why, like, train murders always kind of, like, fascinate yeah. me. I don't think you could do this without help. You'd have to have knowledge of all the, uh, the train operations and the paperwork that they use. And have either fake papers made for the luggage, like little luggage tags. Copies or stolen real ones. Because you have to re-tag all that luggage. And then you have a ticket already that you brought, that you bought, and then you made up that luggage with your ticket once you're in the train. And then when you get to your destination, you have all that stuff unloaded. The people unloading it are not the same people that loaded it. They don't they don't know anything. Yeah, that's true. But I think You'd have to have a good knowledge of the train. In other words, somebody on your team would have had to have been an ex-employee or an active employee to help you to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have to know. What's the tickets look like? Where do the tickets come from? Can you get to the tickets? Can you? What's the codes that have to be on there to get it to uh, come off at the destination you want it to come off at? How do you change your ticket to say that those... That those um, that that luggage belongs to you. It's something like that. They they know the train system real well. It probably had help. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. 
Hugo said, there's a Frankenstein movie made in 1910 by Edison. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I wonder who really made it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not very good. I mean, it's okay. It's an okay adaptation. The monster looks a little silly, but I did like a big long, um, like silent movie watch along thing, like on my, uh, blog where I just kind of watched it and wrote about it. Like I was watching it, but, uh, I found it entertaining, but yeah. Um, Ben said, brother Albert murdered him, loaded his stuff onto the train and maybe pretended to be him at the ticket office. Did anyone check his ticket on the train? See, I'm assuming that nobody did because they interviewed, as far as I know, everybody that had been on the train or everybody that had worked on the train in Porters and nobody had seen him or nobody could remember seeing him. That doesn't mean he wasn't there. I'm just saying that nobody remembered him in particular. So most of the theories kind of swirl around maybe he never got on the train at all or he didn't get on the train alive maybe he was killed in the train station and put in one of the boxes along with the other stuff that was going to go on the train you know what i mean and then you assume his identity and you have him loaded into into your train into your luggage hold as if he was your luggage and you were the guy who killed him you assumed his identity that may have been that yeah possibly because it'd be easier to kill him in the train station i would think yeah You'd have, you ask him, you know, he, he trusts you or something, you, he, you ask him to go somewhere with you, and then you fucking clobber him. Shoot him with a suppressed pistol, something like that. They had stuff like that back then. Well, and yeah, then, they, and then, they offed each other all the time yeah, back in the century. Yeah, and then the you put him, in, put him in the luggage. Because it and was then, much easier to get away with it. Yeah, and then you wheel him out, <laughs> wheel him out there in the luggage. I mean, check obviously. him in. Check him in like cargo. And then you got his ticket. Ben said it would have been easiest to kill him by dynamiting the train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, it's a little overkill, though. <laughs> Acceptable losses. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's obviously a covert operation. This is, this is James Bond shit. Nobody's, nobody's supposed to know this even happened, and then it vanished from the face of history. So it was a covert operation. I mean, it definitely does seem like yeah. that. So, okay. So those are the facts of the case. Now, these are the theories about what may have happened to Louis Le Prince. First theory, he committed suicide. I don't buy this one. I'm not saying it's impossible because, you know, you never, body? you never know. Well, that's kind of a problem with a lot of these theories yeah. is they never did find his body. Um, you know, proponents of this say, well, maybe he never even got on the train. Maybe he just, like, jumped in a river somewhere. Um, you know, maybe he did get on the train, but he jumped off. Uh, something like that. But on the other hand... It's like, one, he wasn't, like, most of the, I kind of feel like most of the people who, because there have been a couple books written about this. Most of the people who put forward the suicide theory are like, oh, you know, maybe he was going bankrupt, or maybe there was, like, some evidence that maybe he didn't have as much money as blah, blah, blah. But honestly, like, everything else that I saw said that he was actually pretty financially successful. And even if he wasn't that financially successful, he knew that he had... A fucking movie camera. He yeah. knew what that was. I mean, he knew what the applications for it would be. He knew that he would probably be made very wealthy by having that and by, like, taking it and touring it around. So I don't think he necessarily would have checked out right before, like, right on the cusp of I'm going to the United States and I'm going to yeah. show my new machine and I'm going to get a patent and I'm going to make uh, all this money on it. Well, no, he was getting a patent. He, he had a patent on the other one, on the okay. other machine the first one when did a patent for this appear in the u.s how much long how much longer 
I'm we'll get. Well, guess who? Yeah, guess who did it? Edison, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, and how much? How much longer after? After he disappeared? Yeah. Um, not all that long. Well, like I said, that's why I like a lot of people think that Edison had something to do with this shit. But I don't know. I don't know. Or somebody who realized that they could make money with Edison, maybe. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, because like Edison, it, he wasn't just Edison. He had a lot of people like working, working for him. Working for him, right? So Edison you know, had a whole bunch of guys that would looking for looking for guys that they could steal inventions from and sell them sell them to Edison. They probably had they probably had a whole system of spies worked industrial spies worked out. Edison probably. Had I think I think he did. Yeah. So it was I one of his industrial spies maybe attract this guy down in France. And knock him off and steal his shit before he put before he posts the U.S. patent, and then later you take his machine and his ideas. You have other guys look at it, and then you come up with a better patent and you put put that in there. Yeah, because he patented his kinetoscope yeah. in oh shit now I can't remember what year it was, but it was like it wasn't long after he disappeared. So it was like 1891 or something like. Sometimes that. you get a second, third, or fourth set of eyeballs on something, they'll make it even better. And they go say, "Well, fuck patenting that machine." This machine's taught us to make a better patent. We'll do that. You know, it might have been that. Because you also don't want to show up with a fucking patent for for a carbon copy of his machine. That makes you a suspect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, wait, hold like, on. That guy's dead. He's like, what? He no, I just came up yeah, with this yeah, yeah. completely on my own. Right. Well, see, the thing about it, though, and I'm going to... I'm not excusing Edison, but I am saying that it was, it is a fact that a lot of inventors were working on a motion picture camera at this time because because of Edward Mybridge and because of, you know, all of these optical illusion toys, it was something that was very much that everybody was kind of like trying to work on it. So it's possible that you could have come up with something very similar to what he came up with just by coincidence. Well, it's just like in the firearms field. But, but when Edison is yeah. involved, I get a little bit sus about it because he's very very well known for like ripping off other people's ideas and taking in, credit for him in this period also it was the same with firearms yeah new patents would come out amazing new firearms would come out but guys were working on ideas like that firearm all, all many many teams happening at the same time and this that went on for a long time even, even in the late even in the 30s and 40s guys coming up with prototypes that are kind of like assault rifles um so yeah, there's, I guess you could say there's like a convergent evolution, but that's yeah. because it, all the designers are talking about this concept. So wouldn't be one dude talking about a motion picture camera. It'd be like 30 or 40 of them talking about motion picture cameras, all of them trying to guard their own secrets and shit. Yeah. So it'd be like that. And like I said, it's... They're going to kind of come up with the same thing, though. Yeah, the people are going to come up, kind of yeah. come up with the same thing. It happens yeah. all the time. There's only a couple ways you can do that. Make a camera, uh, yeah, kind of mechanically like that. Right. So, the most important thing is how do you drive it? Do you have to crank it, or do you wind up a spring like a big? You know what I mean? And and it times itself, because see, cranking it depends on your consistency in cranking it. You know what I mean? If 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 you speed up accidentally, you'll fuck up the image. They didn't really have they had electric motors, but they wouldn't have had the batteries and the power. It would have been big and heavy, so you couldn't have a battery-powered electric motor camera at this point. It would have been something with a wind-up spring or, or a crank at this point. But like I said, that's where the patents would differ. Some guys' patents might be, you know, you sit there and you turn a key and wind it up, and you got 30 seconds of filming with a nice, consistent image, you know. It's spinning 
like a clockwork on time. So there'd been a there would have been a bunch of different versions of it. Edison probably would have had his fingers in all of them, any of them that he could find. Yeah, he knew all about yeah. what was going on. Right. He, he really did keep his finger on the pulse on everything, right? Because he, you know, he's like, hey, whose whose ideas can I steal? Right. Today? <laughs> Which are the best ones? And he would. He was the kind of guy that would buy everything so no one else could get it. Yeah. It was just the way it is. Yeah. That was Which that was much. the smart way to do it. Well, it certainly made him a lot of money. Uh, yeah. It fucked over everybody else, but, yeah. you know, I guess that's like, <laughs> fuck everybody, I got mine. I guess that's that. Attitude. Well, there's something to be said for guys like Edison and the big, big rich guys. They had the money and the infrastructure to make these ideas a reality. They could get that shit done and mass produce it. So... Technology moved quickly in the Industrial Revolution. That was one good thing about it. If it was scattered out between all these little artisan creators, the relentless march of industrial and technology would industrial technology would have its evolution would have been slowed down. So it was a rough period to live in, but we reap the the rewards for it. Without them, it probably would have taken another hundred years. Imagine if it was, you know, 1920s still, you know? That's what it would be like. Well, we wouldn't know any different. We wouldn't would know we? any different. It would, <laughs> it would be like the 1920s. It would just be like it is, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like you wouldn't know any difference. like, oh, man, it could have been, like, really cool. We could have had cell phones and Netflix and all this other kind of shit. We wouldn't there was know a any lot different. Of shit. There was a lot of shit that almost came out in the 1930s. But the war stopped it. The, 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 the world wars stopped yeah. a lot of shit. One of the things that was going to come out in the 30s was television. Yeah. They didn't know how to do it. Yeah, we were watching something about that not yeah. too long ago. But then the war broke out. And they were like, they made all that shit top secret. And they said, we'll, we'll do this after the war. Uh, and then in the meantime, television cameras became like top secret weapons technology. Uh, they were using video cameras to remotely pilot... I think they were fucking Liberator bombers loaded full of explosives that they would use as a big cruise missile and ditch it, or they would fly it right into a German weapon system and blow it up. They're trying to blow up German super weapons with it. That damn rocket mortar that they were building. <clears throat> and uh, what was his name? One of the Kennedys got killed flying that thing because you, you needed somebody on board. I think it was uh, JFK's brother. He was in the war. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. had to have somebody pilot it to take it to take off. And then once it was in air, you armed the bombs, and then you jumped out and came out on a parachute. And then the guys back at base were looking through cameras and flying the airplane remotely through cameras. Well, JFK he t he took he got it up in the air, went to his jump off point because this is it. Okay, he went to go switch the to to arm the bomb. The thing just blew up. He was vaporized. There's tons of ammunition Oops. went off. Uh, somebody wired it wrong. Shit happens. It would suck, yeah. <laughs> it would suck. I mean, you know. But that was a top, top secret mission. And it was funny that the Kennedys were involved, were, were, were involved in it. Dave is here. Hey, you two. Just pooping in to say hello. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess he went popping in. He's pooping in? in. <laughs> He's pooping in to say hello. Mm -hmm. 
Ben says, uh, Hedy Lamar invented a wireless remote system for submarine torpedoes. Yes, that's true. She did. And I actually wanted, uh, I've been wanting to do a show on her for a while too. Cause I think Zach was, uh, recommended that. And I was like, yeah, that would actually be a good show as well. Sebastian says Germany had TVs. Well, some people, I mean, and then Zach said during yeah. the great depression era, there were a few films that were actually shot in widescreen on 70 millimeter film, but it was expensive. So they stopped doing it until the <laughs> 1950s. That's another thing too, is that a lot of times I think, the technology for something exists, but I guess sometimes it's just, like, too cost-prohibitive to, like, use yeah. it until there's, like, you know, until it gets cheaper. The Germans were also working on a space plane that was, like, this kind of like a space shuttle. It was called the Sanger Antipodal Bomber. And you launched... It was a big rocket sled that pushed this pretty cool-looking space plane across several miles of damn raised concrete launch rail. And then it, would, and it was... The big sled had like 20 or 30 V2, V2 rocket engines in it. And it would get this thing up to supposedly high Mach. And it would get near escape velocity. And it would skip across the top of the Earth's atmosphere. Go over New York. And they were going to drop a, a radioactive dirty bomb. Which was, they had a bunch of radioactive silicate that they were using from their heavy water project. And they were going to drop that thing over New York and try to paralyze New York. Because that's what they were using as a port to ship all the stuff out. It wouldn't have probably worked. I think New Yorkers probably wouldn't have known what radioactive silicate was and said, oh, fuck it, get back to work. And a lot of them would have died of cancer. And But but the war effort would have continued. I don't think they would have stopped because somebody dropped silicate on them. Um, but it was an amazing plane. I'm not sure it would have worked. Um, different guys have crunched the numbers and saying there wasn't enough thrust other guys have said, no, it probably would have worked. Um, but that's damn near a space shuttle, you know, in the 40s. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, I think they came up with shit. Like I said, I think they came up with shit a lot earlier than maybe we yeah. imagine. I think the problem mostly is not so much the inventing of it, because the principle of it is there, but how to mass produce it, how to, like, you know, make it so it's not cost prohibitive. I think yeah. that's kind of, like, the main hurdle that you have to overcome most of the time. Yeah, they were working on it, but but uh, and they were working on it in France. D-Day happened, and they had to stop production. Although I think they killed production right before D-Day anyway. Uh, I think they were running out of money. Like you said, cost prohibitive. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, okay, so, uh, so the first theory was that he actually just jumped off the train or disappeared himself, like, you know, willingly, and went and killed himself somewhere. I'm not entirely buying that, like I said, I just don't think that he would have done that, um, at that period in time. I've also heard another theory, which, um, I don't think I buy this one either. But apparently somebody somewhere found a little note in a library someplace that that he had actually died in Chicago in 1897, I think, something like that, like six or seven years after he supposedly disappeared, and that he had voluntarily gone into hiding uh, because his family asked him to because he was gay. And I'm like... No. I'm not really buying that either. No. Um, I just kind of feel like... I don't know. I kind of feel like because of all of his... The inventions and everything like that, and he thought he was going to make a lot of money. It was like his wife knew about it and everything like that. And I kind of feel like 
he would have wanted them, if he was going to fake his death, for example, he would have wanted his family, he had a wife and kids, he would have wanted his family to benefit from his inventions, I would have thought. So it would kind of, it would seem kind of shitty for him to like disappear. I don't know, you know, I didn't know the guy, but he didn't really. What year was this again? 1890s. And this is Europe. No, it wasn't because he's gay. There was a lot of gay stuff, man. They, yeah, they, I mean, they it was were, illegal, obviously, yeah, and but, they'd put you in jail if they caught you, because Oscar Wilde went to jail. Yeah, but there was a lot of it, and and people knew about it, and people protected family members and stuff. You know what I mean? They just didn't say anything. Kept and the quiet. thing about it is, like, even, like I don't even yeah. know, there's no evidence that he actually even was gay, and, like, even if he was, it's like, I just feel like that's not a good enough excuse for yeah. him to just, like, no. disappear himself, there were or, a like, lot of, fake were, his death or whatever. There were a lot of gay people, and they didn't you know, come to an ill, you know, what, what's, a good, what's a good way to put it? They didn't just come up missing and, and their families didn't fuck with them that bad, especially if they were rich. It probably was harder for a poor person. Rich people were more tolerant of that kind of stuff. Well, it's always harder for a poor person yeah. <laughs> than yeah. and now. You know what I mean? Rich people tend to be more sophisticated. They're like, oh, well, well yeah, do, do you think? Because rich people were not really fucking in any danger of having anybody look down on them. They were already... They were, they right, they're rich. like, I got money, fuck you. Fuck, they, had, they had fuck you money. Right. They had fuck you. Well, that's the thing. You have fuck you money, you can yeah. do whatever the fuck you want because right. it's like, what's anybody going to say to you? You're just like, bye. Yeah. You don't have anything to lose, really. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like somebody's going to come in and you're fired. You're going to, like, you know, be sleeping on a bench or something like that. It's like, that's not going to happen to them. So they're not, like, really worried about it. So, yeah, so I'm not buying suicide and I'm not buying faking his own death nah. for various reasons. I'm not really buying it. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying I don't buy it. It's unlikely. Uh, another uh, theory that I think Ben alluded to earlier was that his brother Albert killed him. Now, notably, Albert was the last person to see him alive. Uh, he did say that he took him to the train station. And notably, he was the only person that said that he for sure saw him get on that train, even though he wasn't on that train presumably. So I don't know. See, that's the thing. I don't want to, like I said, you know, they're all dead now, but um, the family did absolutely not believe they're like, Albert wouldn't have done that. He just won. He didn't have a motive because I think a lot of people said, because remember how I said their mom had died and like left them that house and stuff. But um, both Albert and Louis were, as far as I know, were pretty financially successful. They didn't like, they weren't desperate. They didn't need the money. And even if Albert had bumped off Louis, Louis's share of the house would have gone to his wife and kids, not to Albert. So there really wasn't any reason for him necessarily, unless Albert thought, ooh, he's got that invention, and if I patent that shit, then, I mean, that's possible. But I don't know. Like, the family were like, they had a really good relationship. They didn't, there was really no reason for him to kill him, but... I don't know. It does. It is slightly, slightly suspicious that really it's only we only have Albert's word for it, as far as I know, that he got on that train because he apparently was not. He either didn't get on that train, or he got off somewhere. It's like and no one noticed him, and he got off somewhere like he jumped off or he was was killed on the train somewhere that like nobody noticed because he, he for was, sure did not get off of it. I think he was killed and then put on the train. Maybe in a box with the luggage. And then when they got to their destination where they would steal his luggage, they loaded him off the, off with the rest of the luggage. Yeah. That's probably what happened. I think it was a team of people. It just sounds suspicious. This isn't the work of one man. 
Well, and even see, if it's a dude killing himself, he can't dispose of his own body. It's not the work of, of one man. Yeah, because notably they yeah. never found the body. Right. That's the big giveaway right there. Now, see, this is this is where the Thomas Edison stuff comes in. Yeah. Nobody is saying, well, as far as I know, as far as I know, nobody is saying that Thomas Edison himself well, hey, like, I got went there cop. and killed got, the dude. I got a cop I grew up with in here, man. He, he's got investigative techniques. Fucking grafters. If there's no body in a situation like this, that's the work of a team, isn't it? A man can't dispose of his own body. And, and if he took himself to another location to kill himself, you'd find the body eventually there, too. He didn't kill himself. That's unlikely. And he was murdered. And I'm saying because the evidence of the body wasn't left behind and there's no luggage and shit, it was done by a team. I'm kind of leaning toward it. Is, so, yeah. I, like I said, I don't know about Edison, but it is notable that Thomas Edison did indeed patent his, uh, what is it called? Kinetoscope, kinetogram, whatever, graph or whatever it was called. Um, really not that long uh, after Louis Le Prince's disappearance. Was it the exact same design? Almost. Almost. Uh, it was very, very similar. Now, he did know, obviously, he had eyes everywhere. So he knew that Louis Le Prince was working on that shit. The thing about it, I don't know. I, I'm kind of of two minds about this. Because in on the one hand, Thomas Edison is very well known for stealing other people's ideas and like taking credit for it. And kind of strong-arming, not necessarily killing or beating up or anything like that, but he did have what they called a goon squad that would kind of go and intimidate people. Yeah. Intimidate people into, like, selling the rights to their stuff and things like that. And like I said, he would also use the legal system kind of like a bludgeon, uh, you know, in the broader sense, just so he could make more money for his own self. In modern term terminology, this would be fucking private security or in industrial spies. Industrial, yeah, industrial agents. This was definitely, and and it's not crazy. I mean, it no. does. I mean, shit. Like I said, if you have History Channel or if you have Hulu, because it's on there now. Shit's been going on. Watch, yeah, yeah. Wa even watch the food, the built America, or whatever it is. There's like two or three seasons of it, and some of that shit, even if it was just like with cornflakes or donuts or some shit, like that shit got ugly. Like sometimes yeah. when they were like competing for different because it's money is you know, and if big money is involved and you have a good idea and you're afraid somebody else is gonna take it. Then, yeah. yeah, people will do some extreme shit. Howard Hughes had a security agency working underneath him that he created, and they were fucking loyal to the damn death, and they were all staffed by the Mormons. And um, they were better than... They were the best intelligence agency in the world with the highest level of technology. The CIA and the FBI did everything they could to catch up with, with Hughes's technology. And a lot of the stuff that the FBI did was a copy of what Hughes was doing, Howard Hughes. And... He had this sophisticated intelligence apparatus. And strangely enough, the way Howard Hughes was, the purpose of this intelligence agency, this private intelligence agency, was to keep an eye on all his girlfriends. <laughs> That's some shit, man. Make sure that bitch ain't cheating on me. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> ain't that something? Uh, it's something, all right. Yeah. He was a collector of women. That he didn't sleep with. It's weird. But they're not allowed to go sleep with other people, no. even though he's not. Uh, no, no. Uh, he's just collecting them. He'd collect all these little starlets and put them in these fucking hotels and then just have spies watch them. And not even make movies with them. And then the second they, you know, then the, then the second he got reports back, yeah, she's got a boyfriend and she's fired. 
He was mentally ill. He had a bunch of mental. Well, of yeah, obviously. But we did injuries. a show. We did do a show yeah, about Howard yeah. Hughes, didn't we? Multiple head injuries. He's a fascinating character. Yeah, but... yeah. multiple Ooh. head injuries, OCD. Man, he yeah. had some. Uh, he had some problems. Yeah, <laughs> big time. But you know, he he was insulated from it quite a bit because of all the money he had, obviously. Yeah. So that's that's what happens when you. Well, have when you can live in your own movie theater for a year and just be there naked, pissing in a bottle and talking just to people on a telephone, pooping in jars and yeah, whatnot, yeah, fucking watching movies twenty four hours a day and sleeping in there, then that's you know. See, if I mean, you were poor, you'd be on borders. Yeah, exactly. and they would take you away and put yeah. you, and the cops would take you away. Yeah, now but you, you're rich. You're just allowed. Yeah. Oh, he's just eccentric. He lived in that opulent theater for Open a year. Jars. Didn't want anybody to see him. Well, I'm sure probably nobody wanted to see him because he looked like, like pooping in jars and like walking around naked with big old long fingernails and shit. I don't think he, he was. Well, he's pissed. pooping somewhere. He's pissing in the jars. He's, uh, he, um, he, yeah, he wasn't poop. He wasn't shitting in the jars. <laughs> I read the book. He's probably just shitting on the floor. Now, I think there was a. I think there was a bathroom, but um, that he would go to. But for some, he didn't want to go to it to, to take a piss though. He would just piss in his milk bottles. He drink milk and then piss it back in the bottle. Did he ever drink and any of the pee down, accidentally? And then he would line it up when it, when it had. You know that it. happens when it when it was when 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 it had piss in it. He would line it up on the on the outside of the aisle or the, or the extreme like right of the aisle, so his servants could come in there and pick it up. Bet they loved that. Bet that yeah. was their favorite day of the work yeah. week. Oh boy, it's pee bottle day. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Hughes was a good man, though. I don't maybe think he, 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 was not a, he was not a bad man. He just he had a lot of head injuries from motorcycle. Well, wrecks, yeah, it wasn't his car fault necessarily because he, well, some of it was his fault because he did do all that daredevil shit, and that's yeah. kind of his own fault. Yeah, well, another thing is, is every time he'd wreck an airplane and get a fucking head injury, he would fucking have his fucking henchmen pull him out of the hospital. He would refuse treatment over and over and over again. Yeah, so that probably so really that helped. was really part of what it was. He was real headstrong. Yeah, that, that doesn't always weakness. like work out in your favor. Well, yeah, Do but it's like he probably didn't have like his skull was in there yeah. just kind of like rattling around <laughs> and shit like fucking loose puzzle pieces, you know. But yeah, so okay, so the thing about it, like I said, Thomas Edison, he did have a history of doing this kind of thing, not necessarily killing people, but having kind of like a team of goons that would go intimidate people. So it's. Also, I think that there was a witness account of, I guess, like one of the lawyers that was supposed to, I think one of the lawyers that was supposed to represent Louis Le Prince, like when he was going to do the patent because he was coming over to do it, um, was talking to Edison, like was seen talking to Edison at some point or like later went to work for Edison. So I think people are thinking that maybe Thomas Edison, if he didn't, Maybe he didn't ba- say, like, oh, go kill that dude or make him disappear, which he did. I mean, that worked. But I don't, so I don't know if he actually had a hand in that or if he just was like, woohoo. Like, if he just, it happened other than, like, you know, without his influence and then he just took advantage of it. It does seem that Thomas Edison, for sure, was the person who stood to benefit the most from him disappearing. Now, on the other hand, There were other people, as I mentioned, it was very much in the zeitgeist at the time of people working on motion picture cameras. So it doesn't, it's, it's not too crazy to think that other people might've been working on a similar thing and maybe, you know, he wouldn't have been too concerned about, oh, this guy just has another one. But like you said, maybe he had industrial spies, 
maybe one of the lawyers that had been working with Louis Le Prince was secretly working for Edison or like went behind his back and went to Edison and told him, hey, he's doing this, that, and the other. And then Thomas Edison's like, ooh, I want that shit. And then like they worked that out. It's not crazy. Like I said, the kind of the industrialists back then did do this kind of shit. So, you know, Thomas Edison, he's dead. Uh, and like I said, he can't sue me. But it's, um, his ghost can sue me. Yeah. But um, it's not, it's far-fetched, but probably not as far-fetched as, as it would have been if you were talking about somebody else. You know what I'm saying? He had the power. He had, yeah, that's what I mean. He had the means, yeah. and he definitely, he for sure had a motive, and not too long after Louis Le Prince disappeared, um, he did patent a movie camera and went around the country, like, projecting and stuff, projecting movies with it, and it was almost exactly like the one that Louis Le Prince was gonna, was gonna do. So, you know, make of that what you will. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I don't know. Maybe it just happened that Louis Le Prince disappeared under different, completely random circumstances, and Thomas Edison just took advantage of that shit, because he would have. But, I don't know, the timing of it just seems a little suspicious to me. That's that's all I'm saying. Now, um, there's also another possibility, which I kind of, it's weird, because I kind of feel like a lot of people bring up the suicide thing, um, you know, the went into hiding because he was gay thing, uh, the brother killing him thing, um, and Edison killing him thing. But a lot of people don't seem to point out that it's possible that he could have just been the victim of just a random-ass crime. Um, one theory that I did see put forward on, because this isn't mentioned on a lot of things, but I did see somebody like point this out. They said what could have happened was that for whatever reason, maybe Albert did take him to the station and did see him like appear to get on the train or look like he was getting on the train. But then maybe after Albert left... Um, Louis was just kind of like, oh shit, I forgot something, or I think I'm going to take a later train, like, for whatever reason. They're like, it's possible that he could have gotten off that train, Albert didn't see him get off the train, and then he took a later one, and when he was on the later train, he might have been attacked by just a random person, like he could have just been the random victim of a crime. And what happened to his luggage? That's what I was going to say. That's yeah. the only thing, yeah. because it did happen, like people yeah. did get robbed and shit like that, but he apparently did have a lot of luggage with him, so it would have, like you said, it would have had to be a gang of robbers, and maybe they didn't know. Yeah. So, And that's the thing, like, why would they have attacked him specifically unless he was just like a random victim? It does seem like... Industrial espionage. It does seem like that. I yeah. mean, I'm just, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but that does really seem like, I mean. He had a valuable invention. It also sounds kind of, it's yeah. possible too that his brother could have done it, okay? Because it is a little bit suspicious that we only have his brother's word for it that, yeah, he did get on that train. Because nobody else saw him. That's a good possibility though, too. Maybe his brother killed him before he even got to the fucking train station. That's what I mean. And said, yeah, I totally saw him get on the train. It's like, yeah, and, yeah. and like I said, I don't know because the family was like, no, absolutely not. Like he wouldn't have done that. But, you know, and they knew him, so I guess they know better than me. And he wouldn't have a motive. But, yeah. yeah but, Most well, now man. the motive, maybe, though, like I mentioned earlier, it, it might not have had to do with the mom's estate because, like I said, he wouldn't have got the money anyway if, if his brother had died. Like, the wife and the kid would have got it. But maybe he wanted to take advantage of the inventions himself because he knew that it was going to make a lot of money. Unlikely. But, like he I said, I any... just don't, I don't know. I just feel like that... How would he? How how could he have played that off? Right, you know, his 
And why? That's his why brother. Did, yeah, he's like, and oh, they were apparently really close. Oh, by close. the way, uh, well, he's gone, so I'm going to pick up his uh, his work on this fucking camera. And this dude didn't sound like he knew anything about cameras. No, no. And the thing about it was that the family, as it ended up, the family didn't benefit because because he disappeared. They didn't find his body, so they had to wait seven years to declare him dead before they could do anything with his patents or his inventions. And by that time, it was way too late. Because Edison had already done that shit. Edison would have had enough lawyers that would have had the foresight, too. Saying, well, if he comes up missing, it would be seven years before they can do anything anyway. That's, see, whole, that's what makes me suspicious, is that thing. had it been another thing, had his brother done it, or had, yeah. uh, you know, if, if his brother had, okay, just hypothetically, if his brother had done it to take over his inventions, he would have made sure the body was found, because it's like, well, you want the body to be found so that you know that he's dead, so that, like, you can have access to his stuff. Because it's like, if he wasn't found, which is what ended up happening, then no one... you They had a law that was like a... I don't think this is uh, on the books anymore. But they had a law where it's like, oh, if you had filed a patent or blah blah like, the family members couldn't use that patent until seven years had passed, like, if the person had disappeared, like, after they were declared dead. So nobody in the family got shit from him just disappearing. So I kind of feel like that sort of takes the air out of that motive because they didn't get any benefit from it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that and anything else like suicide or even like just a random gang of robbers, you'd think that they would have found the body because the thing about it was, let's just say again, hypothetically, which I don't think was the case, but let's just say he decided I'm just going to end it all. And he jumped off the train. Well, the train, it was an express train just from, it was regular service. You know what I mean? It was a regular route. And they looked all along that route. They looked in the train. They looked all over the place. They didn't find anything. So I just kind of feel like, they would have found his body eventually if someone didn't kind of like disappear him on purpose. He was disappearing on purpose. I mean, by a team of dudes. It's the only. I feel like. Yeah. No, I don't know. Because it's kind of hard to get rid of a body. Not that I would yeah. know. Firsthand uh, or anything. I would say. I would say <laughs> something like Edison's fucking intelligence agencies may have done something like that. Their, his industrial agencies may have done something like that. Whether or not he gave the order to do it, I don't know. Might have been somebody rogue in there. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. We, yeah, we could say that it's still industrial espionage, right. but it might not have been Edison. Yeah, might have been somebody else. It might have been somebody else trying to take advantage or of somebody it. somebody in Edison's outfit just doing it on their own. Just going, doing it on their oh, own. The boss will like that. I'm going to take this guy. This right, that's gonna, another you know, possibility. I'll get rewarded and fucking then the boss won't know how I even got it done. That kind of shit. Yeah, he's like, oh, that guy just, I don't know, you know. Yeah, look what I got. Don't ask any questions, boss. Right. Like, okay, and huh. and Edison was the type of guy who'd be like, okay, yeah. I'm not looking a gift horse in the mouth. Right. Or the world's first movie Could projector. Could have been something like that. And then Edison right. goes, well, I'm going to make sure you get your bonus this year, you know, that kind of shit. Ben said, and actually I thought of this, I thought of this too, said they might have argued about him and his brother, they mean. Uh, about him moving to America. French are very passionate, that's true. They could have fought, and Louis and got killed accidentally, and then the brother panicked and loaded the luggage and buried the body. That's also another possibility. I was thinking about that earlier, like when I was watching a documentary about it, and that's another theory that I don't see brought up that much. It is possible that the brother might have killed him, but just like, like accidentally, like I said, just in the course of an argument or something, and then he freaked out and hit it. But it just does seem like... What's most likely, though? Well, see, I'm kind of thinking... 
see. I'm thinking that the espionage. Industrial was, espionage, was whether likely. it was Edison or not, because yeah. a lot of people knew that he was working on that shit. A lot of people yeah. knew that he was the first. Back then, they knew. Um, and then, sadly, like, the knowledge was lost, but we're trying to kind of, like, it's it's trying to kind of come back out nowadays, which is good, because I feel really bad for this dude. There's a means and motive there, you know? Yeah, and, and Edison, for sure, benefited yeah. from the disappearance, big time. I mean, he didn't even wait. I don't even think it was a year. There's it might not, not even been a year. There's like, not going to be any way to know. It could have been, like you said, the brother killed him by accident and then hit it. We're just talking about likelihood. You know what I mean? That may have happened, but I think it's less likely. Yeah. You know. More likely industrial espionage. It's just the lack of the body and the yeah. and the... And there being no trace of any of the luggage. Yeah. See, people kill people all the time, and they get caught. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know where that dude is. I took him to the train station. And they said, well, the luggage isn't there. And then they just keep digging and digging. And they, yeah, I did it, you know. So yeah, I mean, eventually they're going to yeah. find out. And then, you know, <laughs> he, hid, he, hid it, he hid the body on a certain route, or he tried to hide it out in the damn farmer's field somewhere. Well, guess what? There's a farmer. And he finds it. You know, I mean, they just they'd have found the body most likely. Yeah, especially even back then. Era. I especially, mean, yeah, especially in that era, they didn't have ATVs and vehicles that could cross. You know, that could cross country too well. So he couldn't have take. He couldn't have hit. If he tried to hide that body from a, from a, using a motor car, it would have been pretty close to a road, and he would have had to have a shovel and time and to dig a hole and. I just don't think so, man. No. Yeah, I'm not really... And the families were like, no way is he a suspect. They're probably right. They would know more than us. Yeah, and that's... I don't know. The likelihood all starts going towards industrial espionage. Yeah. I think so. I mean, that's kind of what I'm leaning more toward. He disappeared and sewed the luggage. He must have not gotten on the train. Or no, he's... the, The brother said he got on the train. The brother said he got on the okay. train. But it's possible, like I said, that he could have gotten off the train after the brother left the train station, for example. Maybe. Um, that could have happened. But if it was industrial espionage, they knew he was going on a train, then maybe they knew what time he'd be leaving. Or the team waits until he shows up, and then they board at the same time that he that he's going to board. And uh, then they have this whole plan where they're going to kill him, put him in a damn box. Or a fucking some yeah, luggage. maybe they were like waiting for him yeah, on the train, they, and like that's right. why nobody really saw him. Yeah, and they all have tickets, and then they have a way to change the the, the luggage, or they or, or they take his ticket and use his ticket to collect his luggage, and he's in his luggage right now. You know what I mean? So that's how you get him off the train, and maybe you've already bribed somebody in the railroad because he's a friend of Edison, you know, something like that. Yeah, Edison like, might own that railroad. We're, we're making Edison sound yeah. like Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of, some of those those were oligarchs, and they owned all. Kinds I know. Of shit. That's what I mean. It's like they were kind of like on a smaller yeah. scale. Like they had a lot of money, and they had yeah. a lot of like Confederates. Hughes owned so much stuff. Hughes wasn't sure what he owned. Hughes went one That's day nice. in one of the one of the uh, biographies I wrote of him. Was written by his right hand man, who's one of the security guys. I forgot what his name was. He he just called him boss, and boss man was flipping out about some company that was coming up with some new sensors that would have fucking helped, would have like uh, done something about missile guidance. 
and he says we have to stop this company at all fucking costs and they're doing this investigations they're trying to figure out who this company is and then later they find out well wait a minute we own a company that owns a company that owns a company that owns that company that's your company boss he goes oh okay it's like it's just let's just yeah. assume you own everything yeah, yeah okay just that's that's yeah. the starting point yes you own that yeah he owned it <laughs> oh, okay and he chilled out it took him a couple days to figure out that they owned it because <laughs> it was part of some conglomerations that were because oh, he had twisted his empire into a knot to uh, to avoid a bunch of legal problems and to uh, help evade taxes and shit like that. He wasn't sure what he owned. It was running on autopilot and just growing with, without him even... He just had put good bosses and shit in charge of these companies and they uh, they ran shit real well and they would just grow and grow and buy other companies and with company money and even the FBI wasn't sure how big Hughes' empire was. It was big. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. He owned shit he didn't know he owned. I could see that happening once yeah. your company got big enough. I mean, shit. Yeah. I would, if any of you guys watch, uh, there's a really good YouTube channel called Company Man, where he talks about, he just does like 12, 15 minute videos about different companies. And some of the companies in there he does a series that's called it's called like bigger than you know or something like that and he talks about these kind of big usually food conglomerates but not always that own fuck tons of like different brands that you weren't even aware were like all owned by the same company and every time i see that i always think to myself man what a clusterfuck that paperwork must be because it's just like here's this big company and then we own 50 bajillion Little, little companies. companies with like yeah. all these 50 bajillion different brands like every single thing they each have their own employees and they have their marketing team and they have yeah. it's just like jesus christ it's just like a, I, it makes my head hurt thinking about it yeah like all of how complex it is but um but yeah okay so here's another little uh little factoid so apparently in 2003 a photograph was uncovered from the paris photo archives the police archives this photo was of an unidentified drowning victim from around this time period i have seen the photo and i will admit it does look like louis le prince uh they pulled it out of the seine i believe however uh some sources i've said said this the height was different because remember i said louis le prince was pretty tall like for he was six foot three yeah. or six foot four something like that like unusually tall for the time for that time that's weird, that's weird that was, tall. So, yeah he was super tall so um this victim was apparently significantly shorter than that but i really the photo is just of his face and you know he's dead and like he drowned and stuff so it's kind of hard but he does kind of look like him so i get it but the weird thing about that is that even if that was louis le prince they found him in Paris. He left from Dijon. Like, so how did he get to Paris? Because nobody saw him on the train. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, there's that. And also, like, if somebody killed, like, did somebody drown him? Or, But like I said, it's probably not him because of the height difference. Although I will admit that the face does look very much like him. But it's kind of hard to tell because he's dead. You know what I mean? Because there yeah. are some pictures of Louis Le Prince. Uh, you know, one when he, there was a couple when he was younger and there was one when he was older, like not too long before he died, but I don't know. So I'm pretty sure that that's not him, even though it does resemble him because 
even if it was him, it opens up a whole other possibility. Like, how the hell did he even get to Paris in the first place? Like, because yeah. he wasn't on the train, like, that not anybody saw. Like, he didn't get off at the station or anything. So, nobody so nobody knows how he could have been there. So, that just could have been a random guy. They don't know who that guy is. All right. So, um, so we've determined that Thomas Edison is probably a murderer. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe not. I just, like, I don't know. It sounds crazy when you say it like that, but... I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's true. It's like a million different things could have happened. But I'm was, just saying that industrial espionage, whether Edison was behind it or not, I think yeah. was probably... It's likely. Because it seems... Likely. The timing just seems so yeah. strange. It's like, I'm going to America, and I am and I have this new fangled thing. It's a movie camera, and I'm going to show it to everybody and yeah. get, get the patent, and I'm going to make all this money. And then suddenly he suspiciously disappears, and they never find his body, and they never find any of his stuff. And they just like, that just seems a little odd to me. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean it was... Edison or he knew anything about it. It might have been private contractors that that sold shit to companies. Right. You know, they just did shit on their own. Um, might have been a French fucking in- industrial espionage. Yeah, it could have been could anybody. Have been. It could have like, been you know, anybody. Hey, he's going to go to America and give them this patent. We can't have that. That's another possibility. We're See, like, that's what I mean. It didn't right. necessarily have to be Edison. It could right. have been... And it might have been some French film company or some French it's like, company. Like, that we was, want that we, shit. We or... want that. Right. Might have been something like that. Sure. And, uh, you know, France will have the first, you know, camera, you know, there might have been something like that. Yeah. And there might have, for all you know, it had the French fucking oligarchs and people inside the government like, that's right. Yeah, we're not going to let that go to America. So it could have been that. You don't know. But I would say espionage, industrial espionage. Yeah. I mean, that, like I said, that seems like the most, the most beneficial on the part of whoever disappeared him. Would have to have been done by a team. So that just means espionage. But yeah. So anyway, it's like I'm I'm just really glad that now, um, even though Louis Le Prince is probably like he's not a household name like Thomas Edison is, obviously, but I kind of feel like knowledge about him is kind of slowly seeping into the culture. And that makes me happy because it just I don't know why, but this like, well, I do know why, but it's it just bummed me out so much that he's like I inv- he invented the first movie camera, like a significant amount of time before Edison claimed credit for it he was making movies in 1888 when jack the ripper was running around he was filming his little family like out this like that's amazing and it you know and it sucks that he didn't get any credit for it and he just fucking disappeared off the face of the earth and then everyone just kind of forgot about him like until recently so i mean i i kind of hope if there's an afterlife or something he's looking down going oh hey i'm not forgotten after all because man that's really shitty that's really shitty to like invent something that is so ubiquitous and like so important to like the world culture at large and like you don't get any credit for it like some other motherfucker like took credit Mm -hmm. for it and you just ended up like completely forgotten about that's like really a bummer but yeah all right so i guess we're gonna wrap it up because it's 9 o'clock and I'm getting sleepy. Yeah. And I got some shit to do before I go to bed again, like always. But, uh, yeah, so thanks, everybody, for dropping by this evening. Hopefully you found this show as interesting as I did. I found this a very interesting show. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll be back for Friday. We're going to do the sidetrack show on Friday night like normal, because I don't think we're going out on Friday, are we? Maybe maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. Uh, So, yeah, So, but we'll definitely do a show on Friday night like we usually do. 
So hopefully you guys can join us for that. We can talk about all kind of fun stuff and have some more drinks because I want to get up and go to work in the morning. Uh, but yeah, so remember to like and share and comment and all that good stuff uh, for the algorithm. And we'll see you guys again on Friday night. Good night.